This is DZFE's Maestro Filipino, a focus for music with a connection to home. For this edition, I'm Tiffany. On November 2, in 1960, the composer revolutionary Julio Nakpil passed away in his home in Quiapo. He was 93 years old and had witnessed firsthand some of the most remarkable and tumultuous years of Philippine history. The recovery of his music, its presentation in a critical edition, and recording are all part of the monumental Julio Nakpil music project led by UST musicologist Dr. Sandy Inigo Chua. She has joined me thrice already to introduce the first three volumes of recordings to DZFE audiences. And you can hear those programs on DZFE's SoundCloud channel. Where the first two volumes were piano music, the third, chamber music and song, the fourth volume comprises band and orchestral music. And that is what Dr. Chua will be telling me more about today. Nakpil's music mirrored and responded to the times in which he lived. We'll hear three tracks from Volume 4, beginning with a powerful petition, the Marcha Funebre, Deus Omnipotens et Misericors, Almighty and Merciful God. Of the following two works we'll hear, the Victory March and the truly grand Gran Marcha, Salve Patria, and the million-dollar question for me, how a self-taught salon pianist managed to write for band and orchestrate, we'll also hear more in my interview with Dr. Chua. Here is a symphonic band of the University of Santo Tomas. Thank you. 
the use omnipotence is very interesting because it's actually in Latin. This is as well a marcha funebre. No, it's a funeral march for the death of his wife, Gregoria de Jesus, during the war in 1943. So it's a powerful funeral march. He wrote four funeral marches. I haven't seen any other Filipino composers who have written as much funeral marches as Julio mm-hmm. McField. His first funeral march was a band work, Sueño Eterno, Eternal Dream, which was dedicated to his father. And it was written quite early in 1891. So I think his father was a flute player and a band musician. So I think he dedicated this to, to his father. And this was his first attempt to express his grief. So that was quite early in 1891. And his next funeral march would be Pahimakas for Jose Rizal. Jose Rizal was executed in December 30 of 1896, and he wrote this March of 1897. And the third funeral march that he wrote was in 1899, Kabanatuan, you know, after the gruesome death of Antonio Luna under the hands, of course, of the government, our government under Emilio Aguinaldo. It's a band work. It becomes a very powerful lament to the death of this revolutionary soldier and hero. And then the last was Deus Omnipotence. It's sort of trying to make sense of what was happening during that time because it was written in 1943 during the Japanese war, at the height of the Japanese war and the death of his beloved wife, Gregoria de Jesus. He was a miniaturist. Eh? Very short lang yung kanyang mga works in terms of piano, especially moving towards his later works. But for one of his orchestral work, and I think this was his masterpiece, it's called Salve Patria. Hail our country, our motherland. This is his largest, I think, work. It would have a playing time of around seven no, to eight minutes. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like a symphonic ode. It was written for orchestra. The motive that he used was the marangal na dalit ng katagalugan. So he transformed this marangal na dalit ng katagalugan into a, a grand march hailing the freedom. No? And this particular piece was composed in 1903 but performed during the 8th death anniversary of Jose Rizal with a 200-piece orchestra. It's really grand. Wow. And of course, his very last work after Deus Omnipotence. So Deus Omnipotence was in 1943. He followed this, his very last work, with something that is hopeful and joyful. And this called Victory March, celebrating the end of the Pacific War. But when I looked into the composition, it was 1944. The war hasn't ended yet. It gives me the impression that he had to write something that's something hopeful, not to sink into this pain and apathy and unhopeful situation that they had during that time. So that's quite interesting. So it is sort of like looking forward. And he never composed anything after that.
did mention previously in an earlier conversation that a lot of his works were arrangements. Of his own works? Yes, of his own oh. works. And also that the arrangements that he made, although few, are quite notable and unusual. Actually, yes. If based on looking into the manuscripts that survived, photocopies of manuscripts that survived, he would write first the music as a piano work. And he would note here, there would be a flute here, and then he would actually make the bigger work and rearrange it for band as well as for orchestra or sometimes chamber work. And it's quite interesting because, for example, Sueño Eterno, the very first manuscript that we had is already for band music. Then eventually, we would find out that there was a piano work as well that was published in La Ilustración Filipina, which was in the 19th century. So he would actually vacillate on this. Now, he would have a piano work and then rearrange it for a bigger work. So most of his band works are actually rearrangements. Like, for example, Pahimakas, we have the piano sheet music, but it was arranged for band. Then we have, for example, Exposición Regional. Before I remember 1896 when Jose Rizal was executed, there was a big exposition, a regional exposition in Manila in 1895. And he joined the exhibition and exhibited his work, such as Recuerdos de Capis, Luz Poetica de la Aurora, and wrote a new work for it, which is an exposition regional. So he has a piano work, but he also has an orchestral work. He never learned orchestration, but because he was exposed with orchestra during that time, so he heard how it is, and he would write all these arrangements. Mm-hmm. During our interview of one of the relatives, the grandson of Julio Nakpil, Mompeta Palace, he would say that his father, in his old age, would rewrite all this. Like the Victory March is in a different handwriting, we don't know if it was written during that time in 1944 or that he rewrote it in his old age. That's why most of this actually survived. So, yeah, most of the volume four would be rearrangements of his other works, mm-hmm. except for Deus, except for Sueño Eterna, what was specifically composed for band and orchestra, Victory March and Salve Patria. Kabanatuan. Uh, but Biak na Bato, Pahimakas, Exposition Regional were actually transcriptions. Yeah. You know, it's not every pianist who can learn to orchestrate simply by exposure, unless, of course, the exposure is quite extensive. It's not the usual orchestration that mm. you would have. He would have a different arrangement. Mm-hmm. So he had to do quite a number to standardize his orchestrations when we transcribe it into mm. a and even the instruments during that time were not already available now. So it becomes very difficult critically editing music of 19th century. We had Dr. David Euros, who's an expert on 19th century music, an American musicologist who worked in Hong Kong and retired in Manila, who's helping us with this because this is all very new to us. So I think that's one that you would have to look forward to the two-volume critical edition of Julian Akpil's works. So it can be performed presently by orchestra. And of course, it has these critical notes that came with it. Even the original would be stated there and what changes we had to do. Mm -hmm. Was he composing conceptually, uh, but not practically? He had this music in his head. 
and how to be able to translate it in writing becomes difficult because they don't have formal training. Even us who goes into, for example, the conservatory and would go into orchestration would know the rules but would have very difficult time. All right, exactly. <laughs> but for him, it becomes natural because in a way, it's, it's being practiced all over and he knew how it sounded. It's just how it would be written out. So I think the practicality of it comes in because he knows. And we had to rearrange sometimes, oh, this would go well under, but he would actually notate it in a higher register, (laughs) put it in a lower register. So yeah, it's more on he was hearing all this. Right. Mm-hmm. But of course, there are limitations in terms of his writing. So we had to rearrange it, but in a way that it would actually reflect the original and have an accompanying critical notes to it. That's really fascinating. I mean, that's for band. And then he now also has orchestral orchestral works, right? So we're talking about the same sort of challenges, only kind of multiplied because we're talking about a large orchestra. Are we talking about a large orchestra? Yes, the Salve Patria is a very large orchestra. And he had no help orchestrating that? Okay, Monteta Palace, during our interview with him, he was very close with his Lolo. And his father was Ramon Tapales, who became the director and dean of the UP Conservatory of Music during that time. He became the son-in-law of Julian Akpil. And in his old age, according to Monteta Palace, is that he would see his Lolo orchestrating it and would ask his son-in-law, Ramon Tapales, if his orchestration was correct. So I think he had guidance. And and according to Mompe is that that was very striking. The father asking his son-in-law for help in writing his compositions in orchestra. Now, I just don't know if this was already the Victory March because the Victory March was written much, much later and not the other pieces. Mm-hmm. So because... If you look into the manuscripts, some of the band works would have modern notations, but the others would have the original writing of the 19th century. So I think it would not be all, but it's just quite interesting and fortunate that we were able to have this work. I think it was Juan Nakpil, his eldest son, who's also a national artist for architecture, who collected this and donated this to the National Library. Most of his works were donated to the National Library in 1937, I think. But it was burned down during the Japanese occupation. Mm -hmm. So I think they had the the originals as well. So what they did was that in 1972, after the 100 years, they donated the photocopies of Mm -hmm. his work to the UP College of Music. And that is what survived. So until now, although we have the print music, uh, some of his print music that survived, we don't have an original manuscript work of Julio, but it is a photocopy of the original manuscript that survived.
Dr. Chua called this last piece Julio Nakpil's masterpiece. Salve Patria, or Hail Motherland, dates to 1904. In her notes for the work, Dr. Chua wrote, Using the Marangal na Dalit ng Katagalugan as its main musical material, it was performed at the Teatro Zorilla with a 150-piece orchestra. Salve Patria was written to commemorate Rizal's eighth death anniversary, coinciding with the inauguration of his monument in Luneta. Nakpil transformed the anthem into a symphonic march, dignified and heroic, a musical signification of one's salvation and redemption from the bonds of colonialism, and unequivocally hailed the nation's freedom that was never realized. Earlier in the program, we also heard Nakpil's victory march and funeral march, Deus Omnipotens et Misericordes. The latter two performances featured the University of Santo Tomas Symphony Orchestra under Hermione Hildurenera. All of this, of course, is from the fourth and final volume of recordings that form part of the Nakpil music project led by Dr. Sandy Inigo Chua. The first two volumes, comprising Nakpil's piano music, are already available on digital platforms such as Spotify and YouTube. The third and fourth volumes, despite some delays, are set to be released soon. If you would like to hear more on the topic, as of the Saturday airing of this program, you can still catch the webinar Julio Nakpil, Compositor et Revolucionario, which will stream on November 2, his birthday, 10 a.m. on the Museo El Deposito Facebook page. Professor Xiaochua will speak about Nakpil, the revolutionary officer, while our guest, Dr. Sandy Inigo Chua, will discuss Nakpil's music. Again, this is on November 2, 10 a.m., on the Facebook page of the Museo El Deposito. To track the Julio Nakpil Music Project, go to Julio Nakpil on Facebook. The recordings are not all there is. The gem of the project, the much-anticipated critical edition, is still to emerge. So, watch out for that. We come to the close of this Maestro Filipino, DZFE's weekly feature for fine music in our locale. Each episode airs Saturday at 4 in the afternoon, the following Monday at 12 midnight, and lastly, the next Thursday at noon. The shows are subsequently made available online on our SoundCloud and Spotify channels, so please subscribe. I'm Tiffany. Thanks for listening.